Welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas fell to West Virginia to open Big 12 play 29-24. to And I have a hard time kind of trying to figure out what to make of this game in general. From a big picture perspective, I think this result should, in totality, be encouraging yet discouraging for KU fans in general. If you look at kind of the trajectory of this team over the past two weeks, you have basically, you know, a lot of ups and downs at this point. You go from having a kind of a a, a flat performance against Coastal Carolina where you lose 12 to 7. Then you go and pull off a really big win at Boston College on the road. And things from the outside looking in look like, oh, wow, you may have figured some things out offensively. But no, against West Virginia, KU's offense, you know, they were able to put up 20 plus points, but it was one of those performances where it just didn't feel like the Kansas offense was able to kind of get into the rhythm of things. Um, I think West Virginia is definitely to credit for some of that. They came in and and dominated possession of the ball. I think this was something that I took away listening to Les Miles talk post game was his biggest takeaway from my perspective, listening to him kind of dissect the game through his post game interview that he does on the radio before he comes in and speaks to the media. And in the the radio interview, he said that, you know, the time of possession killed us. And I, I think to some degree, there's some truth to that. You know, Kansas only had the ball for 22 minutes and 19 seconds compared to West Virginia's 37 minutes and 40 seconds. And KU's offense just wasn't able to kind of get into a rhythm. And I think if you look at the Boston College game as like a, a counter to this performance, you know, KU just got a, a good amount of possessions early on in that game where they could kind of work through some kinks. They could figure out what started to work. And if you talk to some of the players about how they felt entering that third offensive drive against Boston college, that was when they said they really started to, you know, put things together. Whereas KU for this game, you know, they get their third drive and it's at the end of the first quarter and there's not just a ton of time left. I mean, when they punted the ball away on that third drive, there was a minute uh, and 11 seconds left in the first quarter. So there just wasn't a ton of possessions in this game. KU had 12 total drives, and I think the time of possession really did come into effect in the second half when it felt like West Virginia definitely went to a little bit more of a ground-and-pound approach. But I think overall, offensively for KU, I think you know there are certain things that you look at and you're like, okay, Carter Stanley had two turnovers. He had a fumble and a interception. So those are two times that you gave possession away to West Virginia. So out of those, you know, 12 drives, now 10 of them are ones that you can physically complete yourself. And those are, I think, probably the two biggest things was when Stanley had that turnover, the fumble, West Virginia wasn't able to score off of it. You know, there were a slew of, you know, unproductive and, uh, you know, drives that didn't really go anywhere for both teams. But that second intercept or the first interception, the second turnover that Kansas had, I thought was really kind of one of the backbreakers. And I think it turned out to be a backbreaker in the game. I mean, West Virginia comes down and scores a touchdown and they tried to go for two to make it uh, 32 or sorry, 31 to 24, but they missed a two point conversion. And I think that's probably the biggest play of the game right there where Stanley throws that interception. It was a really good play by the defensive back. And if, you know, if I'm remembering the play off the top of my head correctly, he kind of tipped it to himself. And as he was coming down, he caught it. It was kind of the reverse of what we saw against Indiana state 
where the Indiana State defensive back was kind of in the same position midair trying to catch the ball. But that time, the defensive back kind of tipped it up in the air and Andrew Parchment was able to catch it and go for a run. And I think there were maybe some of those plays where that didn't necessarily go Kansas's way today. I thought when you look at Carter Stanley's performance outside of the two turnovers, you look at the numbers and he comes up with, you know, three touchdown throws. He throws for 275 yards, which isn't great, but also isn't terrible for what Cave's offense looks like it's going to try and do. And I also have a hard time trying to figure out what Cave's offense is trying to do because it, a part of me feels like it is a ground and pound, you know, Les Miles wants to run the ball. But today you even saw a little bit, you know, some of the spread formations that you saw against Boston College. So I think KU really is looking like they're going to try and spread teams out and try and attack them on the run, but also while mixing in some of those power plays. You saw some of those power tosses from uh, the offense today where Carter Stanley basically turns around, tosses it to the running back behind him, and then seals off a block. So, you know, offensively for KU, Stanley getting 275 yards through the air, you know, may not be a lot in total, but I think through the course of the offense, it's probably what you're about to see. I don't think you're going to see very many times where Stanley's going to throw for 300 plus yards in a game. But I think this is one of those performances where for Carter Stanley, you say, okay, this was good, but how far can it get to you? And I don't know. Going forward, I'm really interested to see how Carter Stanley looks on the first Big 12 road test of the year against TCU, a TCU team that fell to SMU today. Um, so they look like they're going to be you know, rearing to go for their first Big 12 game of the season, I believe. So I'm really interested to see how Stanley looks next week. I'm not one to all of a sudden call into question you know, Carter Stanley's position as a starting quarterback, especially after the performance that he and the KU football offense put on last week. But still, I just the offensive performance today left a weird taste in my mouth where it feels like KU should have done better offensively. But then you look at the numbers and it's like, I really don't know, you know, where they could have done better offensively. I mean, they outgained West Virginia. They had four and set 417 yards. They averaged 7.4 yards per play. West Virginia had 394 yards and they averaged 4.6 yards a play. This is one of those games where I think this is a game that, if you could ask Les Miles, this would be a game that he would be very okay with, where his team controls the clock, they control the amount of possessions, and they control the game for the most part. You know, there really wasn't a time where you felt like KU was with the momentum, looking to go and blow the game wide open and take the lead. It really felt like West Virginia would take a step forward, and then they'd take another step forward, and then KU would take a step forward. It felt like KU was kind of the entire game was maybe a step behind West Virginia. But then you look at the numbers again, and it doesn't show that. It shows that KU was probably the better team. It just looks like those two turnovers were, were definitely big points for KU. I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think KU definitely is going to, going forward, the injury to Drew Prox is really important. Um, in the game, it was in the second half, he kind of got into the backfield and he tried to tackle the back in the backfield. And then all of a sudden it looked like as soon as the play happened, it didn't look right when Prox tried to tackle him. We've seen Prox tackle so far this season. I mean, he's been the MVP of the Kansas defense. No ifs and or buts. I think he's gotten double-digit tackles all three games this season. He's been awesome. And even if he hasn't gotten you know, d- double-digit tackles 
every game this season. Um, he's still been really good in the run stopping, even in coverage. I think he's been better than I anticipated him being this season, but if he is out for a substantial amount of time, that's a big deal for KU and Prox came off. He was holding the left arm. Um, and if you watch Prox and when he plays, um, He's a guy that is a, a physical tackler and for him to all of a sudden come off with what looks like to be an arm injury or some sort of upper body injury, you know, you don't know how long it's going to take. Les Miles said he saw Prox walking around, you know, in the locker room afterwards, but didn't have any sort of update as to the injury specifics and or a timetable for his return. If he's questionable or anything going forward, he wasn't able to give much information there. So don't want to speculate the type of injury or how long he's going to be out. But if Drew Prox has to miss games, that's a huge loss for KU. I know Jaden has played a lot in the past two weeks. He played a good amount against Boston College. He played a lot, or it felt like a lot against Boston College, maybe not as much today against West Virginia. But with Deneen, he's pretty good in the run, but there are definitely times where he gets in the backfield. I mean, you saw this against Boston College and again today, where Deneen will come in on a blitz or he'll shoot the gap and get into the backfield, but he's just not able to make the tackle. And I think... KU could end up missing a guy like Drew Prox, especially when you look at kind of the other tacklers KU has. I mean, Bryce Tornadin has been a really good tackling so far this season, but outside of that, like your reliable tacklers are Bryce Tornadin, you know, not including the defensive line guys, but it's basically Bryce Tornadin. Mike Lee uh, had a good amount of tackles today. He came up with nine total tackles, which led the team in a tie with Kyron Johnson, who had nine today, and Drew Prox, who also had nine today as well. So I think going forward, there are definitely going to be some some question marks around the linebacker core that was already pretty thin. Uh, Cooper Root is someone that got some more playing time today, number 30 for KU on defense. He's a sophomore from Wichita who hasn't played a ton so far in his KU career, but got some good run on the defensive side of the ball today. So going forward, I think the linebacker core going to be really interested to see how they look next week with or without Drew Prox in the secondary I thought Mike Lee looked a lot better today than he has in the past. You know, came up with seven solo tackles. I mean, man, Mike Lee hit so hard. It, I would not want to get hit by Mike Lee whatsoever. Just some, watching him hit some of the West Virginia guys today. I think there was one play in particular on like a third down where he absolutely just obliterated the guy. And he, the, the offensive player looked like he had momentum going at Lee. But as soon as Lee hit him, like he stopped and just went backwards and just... Mike Lee is so good at hitting. I think for him, the questions kind of come into in coverage and he hasn't missed a ton of tackles. It doesn't feel like he's missed a ton of tackles this year. It's just kind of showing up maybe some of those back end on the coverages. He's taken some gambles this year that maybe wouldn't want a safety taking. But I think in general, I think the Kansas defense did look pretty good today. I thought Najee Stevens McKenzie made some nice plays. He came up with um, five total tackles and also came up with one and a half tackles for loss, including half a sack that he shared with Darius Marenghi. So, you know, not just even McKenzie, someone that looked really good. I think this KU defense is under the radar, kind of sneaky, halfway decent. Uh, they're not going to statistically, I don't feel like they're not going to blow any teams like out of the water with, you know, takeaways or run stops or, but it feels like they are just a fundamentally sound defense. It did feel like towards the end of the game, they definitely maybe got a little bit more gas trying to, defend West Virginia's run attack a little more late in the game. And it didn't feel like they were able to get as many stops um, as the game kind of progressed as they were maybe in the first half where it felt like the defense almost kind of was keeping KU in the game because West Virginia's offense looked okay. 
They didn't look like, you know, an Oklahoma offense, but they also didn't look like an FCS offense either. They looked competent. They got some really good gains on like the kind of Statue of Liberty play that they ran. It's not Statue of Liberty, but like the quarterback would be facing one way and he'd use like his non-throwing hand to hand the ball off. I thought they did some really weird things on offense that I maybe wasn't anticipating, but I'm also not super adept with what Neil Brown does offensively or what kind of he schematically looks for. So I think going forward for KU, there are a few positives. I, I would not say this is a moral victory. This is something that Carter Stanley said after the game. Um, because also, if you missed it, I wrote my post-game story was on kind of the way that the fans after the game, I thought this was so interesting, especially you look at kind of the past two, three years, especially that I've been on the beat, at least where you can kind of, you're in the press box, you can watch things as they happen. You know, I can't remember the last time, like at the end of a game that KU lost, where there were still uh, so many fans in the stadium and the fans that were in the stadium when KU left the field, they gave the Jayhawks a standing ovation, which I thought was a cool gesture from the fans, but it also seems like the players kind of took notice of that. Andrew Parchment said that that was kind of the buzz in the locker room after the game was kind of the fan support they got. And Carter Stanley said he's not into moral victories, but that he was happy that the fans kind of were able to support them because they, he said that he felt like that the fans are seeing you know progression and that they're seeing competitive football and that that is going to make them excited and that they are going to be able to be loud and be passionate about a team that is competitive. And this is something that Najee Stevens McKenzie said also. And he gave me a really great quote um, after the game talking about how he has talked to people that are from Kansas and how they're just so happy that this is a step up in product. Definitely just go check out the story. Some really good quotes from some of the players talking about kind of that aspect of it. But big picture, it didn't feel like the players were too down on themselves. This didn't feel like after the Coastal Carolina game where Carter Stanley's emotional, the other guys feel kind of a dejected mood. There wasn't positivity by any means, but I think there were still some inklings of hope of, hey, you want to what? You look at last week, we got a really big win at Boston College. We've shown we can beat FBS teams and we can beat them on the road. And I, it felt like talking to the players that going forward, they do still have confidence and that this isn't something that now they're all of a sudden back to square one where they were after uh, the Coastal Carolina game where they're just super down on themselves or Les Miles said it took them a couple days to get over the loss. I don't think that's going to be the case this time. I think KU can look at this game, say, hey, we did some things well, you know, but there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. And I think that that is something good for KU now going into playing at TCU. So KU is entering a really tough part of their schedule now. They go at TCU this next weekend, Saturday the 28th. And then the weekend after they have Oklahoma at home. And then the week after that, um, they have a bye and then they go to Texas. So it's just getting into a real tough part of the schedule now where Kansas is going to have to come up with you not come up with wins, but come up with hopefully maybe one big performance out of the next month where you can kind of say, hey, may, at least we were competitive at TCU. At least we were maybe a little bit competitive at Texas. Maybe we held it in, held it together for a couple quarters against Oklahoma. I think as long as you can see some benchmark improvements over the next couple, over the next month, over the next four weeks, I think you'll see some dividends paid then when KU goes into that stretch of where they play Texas Tech, K-State in the back end of the Big 12 schedule. That's all the time we have for today. As always, thank you for listening to the Fog.net podcast. 
As always, you can find all sorts of KU football and KU basketball content on fog.net. Right now, I mentioned my story I got up there right now. Scott Chasen has a really good story, kind of looking at some of the big decisions that happened, especially the onside kick in the game today. We've also got some really good stuff coming over the next week, kind of breaking down the West Virginia game, looking ahead to TCU, and we're kind of late night, late night in the fogs just around the corner. So all sorts of great content. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97, and you can follow Scott Chasen on Twitter at Scott. and we will talk to you next Saturday after the TCU game.